This, this is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. And Brooke Roar, you are. And Brooke, you are. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. Yes, hello. It is Brock and Salk Show, home of your first place Seattle Mariners. How nice does that sound, Brock? Oh. Your first place oh. Oh. Seattle Mariners, August 28th, alone in first place. That is pretty freaking unbelievable. Mm. I think we're alone now. <laughs> there doesn't seem to be anyone around. Wow. I, I had so much fun coming up with songs. I can't wait to hear them all that at play o'clock. today. Yeah, we, we got yeah, some I songs at wait. nine. Can't wait. I kind of wish it was June because I have so many stories to share uh, with you, but I can't do that because we've got just so much to talk about. So from my football game to my back to all sorts of issues that I haven't even filled you in on, but uh, it's not time for, for that. It's time to celebrate this. Well, it's not even time to celebrate. We've got 32 games, 32 games to go finish. Okay. And as Pete Carroll will tell us, they're not going to win this pennant in the first quarter, nor the second, nor the third. Okay. Now we are down to the fourth quarter plus. Like if this were an NFL season, you're down to we're like in game uh, 17. This is like game 15. You're you're right here. You are right here, right in front of you. And goodness gracious, the just the amount of belief now from the forty thousand in the stands to the millions that are watching. That you know, as you tune in, you're like, yeah, they're going to find a way to win. And what a reverse from uh, just a few short months ago. Yeah, they're taking care of business, which is exactly what you want them to do, right? Every game, they just get out there and do exactly what they're supposed to do. Find a way to win it. And, you know, you keep hearing they're the hottest team in baseball. They're the hottest team in baseball. I love this quote from Julio Rodriguez because I think it takes that and turns it right around on its head. Still, we're not hot. Like, I'm going to keep saying that we're not hot. We're just playing the ball that I know we're capable of. I feel like every, every single... Every single guy on this team that they know that what, what, what they're capable of, we we all see each other preparing ourselves, and I feel like that we're just playing the ball that we know we can. I feel like at the beginning of the year, everybody was was seeing, oh, why this this, this team not playing like this? It just this is just who we are. They're not hot. Mm. Yep. I, I I played that at six o'clock, and I'm going to keep playing it over the course of the show today. I love it. I I heard Julio say that Saturday, and it yep. just jumped out to me of like. Look, obviously, there's some guys right now that are hitting above their norm. They are hot. But as a team, he feels like this isn't fluky. This isn't temporary. This isn't something that's going to end soon. Correct. They're just playing the kind of ball that they were designed to play. Yes, in, in late June and, and when the struggle bus was on, on full throttle and everybody was jumping aboard it from the outside, that was those were the words like on the other end of the pendulum that Cal's like, we're just not playing our ball. Right. I mean, when when he was calling dudes out as much as anybody could, it's like we're just not playing our game. None of us are doing what we're capable of doing. And now uh, the majority are <laughs> led by that guy right at the front of this bus in Julio and Teo sitting shotgun and, you know, just on and on. And Luis and Logan and George and everybody, you know, doing their job. But yeah, that I'm really kind of res- doesn't it kind of resonate, though, with what Cal said. So you kind of have to have both of those. Like, it's got to go both ways, as Bob Stelton would tell you. On one side of it is, hey, it's not that we're cold. It is we're not playing our game. Right. And then on the other side of it is, man, this is what happens when we do play our game, when we play the way that we are capable of playing. 
you're going on a on a run over two months that's not been seen here in 20 plus well, and years. I think the fact that it's going on two months is why it doesn't feel like it's just hot all right look yes right now a couple of those guys are are on fire and they've been able to just bash out these these lousy baseball teams like Kansas City Chicago etc yep. but it's obviously more than that you don't just get hot for two months I mean like they've been good they've been they've been on the plus side of what they're capable of and at the same time those Texas Rangers over the course of those same two months have been on the other side. And that's even with playing well for a couple of weeks in there. Yep. I mean, they've, they have collapsed entirely. And I am very curious what it's like over in that locker room right now, right? With veteran manager, Bruce Bochy and all the veterans that they brought in to, to help them, you know, that is one way to build a team, mm-hmm. but it tends to lead to a lot of injuries and, you know, Evaldi just went on the IL and we'll see how long, Long, he's able to 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 withstand right yep. you know it just baseball's a real funny sport and over the course of 162 it does have a tendency to take a lot of twists and turns you know, and by the way brock yes. there may be more twists and turns left uh, uh, yes the fact that you are right now today this is not the end of the season you still got another month to go as julio was reminding everybody yesterday we just gotta keep on going it's not over here Julio's the only one I know who really turns the Jim Mueller interview into an opportunity to speak directly to the people in the ballpark, which I just absolutely, God, I love him. I love that part of him. It is so unique. It is so rare in baseball to think first about fans. Mm -hmm. Most, Most players don't think about the fans as often as Julio does. That's not to say they don't care about the fans or anything like that. I think that they do. Because most are so focused on themselves and one of the most cruel and humbling sports there is. They're just trying to take care of their own business. And then after that, they're trying to earn the respect of their manager, of their teammates. They care deeply about their friends in the game, right? But but the fans kind of come last. (laughs) And not for Julio. They are always on the forefront of his mind. It's not fake. It's not phony. It is just who he's thinking about and playing for. When he makes a great play, he turns to the stands. When he has an opportunity to talk to Jim Mueller, he turns it into a conversation directly with the fans. It is unique, and it is awesome. When the game ends in the no-fly zone, he points right over to them to make sure that that connection is not real, that it's not just a banner up there. Right. And every time he makes a great play or his or yesterday, like Canzone in the outfield makes a great play, he too is pointing to the no-fly zone. Like they are, yeah, there there is a genuine connection. And I will say this year maybe Salk as much as any, right? And, you know, Molly likes to joke around with me. Because being a Mariner fan for my entire life, like many listening right now, there are, there are typical peaks and valleys in no. a season. Are there? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, the, there, yeah, there's really? peaks. Yeah, I, I yeah. haven't noticed any of those. Well, there used to be like this June swoon thing, kind of oh. like Clemsoning that you just have to get rid of. You got to get rid of these things okay. that unfortunately haunt you until you get over them and get past them. Right. But I got to tell you, man, this year, uh, what's the saying in baseball? Momentum is the next day's starting pitcher. Mm-hmm. I don't know about that, man. This this team this year, this run over two months, listening to the Canzones, listening to the Rojas. Yeah, let listening. me tell you that, actually. I think you make a, an interesting point. I have some Rojas specifically on that. As we uh, mentioned last week after we talked to him and we're just so blown away by his insight, he's sort of like a little spy on what it's like to be a Major League Baseball player uh, because he's just so honest. I thought this yes. was great as he was talking about what it's like to hit. It. 
in this lineup right now, even though he's hitting ninth. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's a lot easier um, hitting when you know the lineup's on fire, um, a lot less pressure, just going up there trying to get it to the next guy and and seeing what they can do, and um, that's exactly what this lineup's been doing lately. There's no pressure. No. Like the next guy will get a hit. I just and then do my all, thing. and then on the other side of that, when no one is, everyone's squeezing the bat tight, and yep. your best guys aren't. Everybody, you know, I, I got mad at Lance, one of the dads on our hoops team this mm-hmm. year, about midway through the season. He's like, "Hey, man, have you looked at our girls' free throw percentage? Like, if we were a college team, we'd be like number three in the country. Our team was shooting like eighty-two percent from the line, and Miss Macy at like ninety percent, and Quinn at ninety percent. And guess what? Play a game, and Quinn misses a couple, and then Macy misses a couple, <laughs> and then and I'm like, really, dude." You know, like that's how it goes sometimes. That's how fickle it can be when your mm-hmm. confidence is rolling and you feel great. Like, yeah, man, next man up, everybody's going to hit. And when it's on the inverse side, so I, th- this whole like no momentum in baseball, uh, yeah, this, this season and these two months, well, actually every month, right? Because May and June and April played one role of momentum and, and certainly July and August have gone the other way. I'm starting to, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm starting to challenge that belief a little bit because this team, momentum-wise, is in well, a place that's not been for a long I th- time. I think both things can be true at the same time, uh, is what I would say. That, yes, momentum is absolutely, uh, you know, The next day starting pitcher? Well, it's, absolutely, it's definitely affected their ability to hit. I mean, like, yep. there's no doubt the mentality of that has helped this team in particular. But it's also the next day starting pitcher and what they've done starting pitcher wise all throughout the year is the reason they're here. Yes. Right. I mean, why are they in first place? Because every single day they have an opportunity to win, even when they weren't hitting. Thanks to some unbelievable starting pitching. Man, Luis was fun yesterday. You think so? Yes. Was he more fun than Logan was the day before? Because he yeah. was ridiculous. Was fun, too. This is pretty fun, man. When the Mariners play like this, there's nothing more fun it's than getting really to talk about fun. a baseball team like this every day. <laughs> we got a lot more to go, including some highlights from yesterday. How good was Luis? Well, I'll play you how good Scott Service thought he was. Coming up next on Brock and Salk. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Yeah, you just can't say this enough times. The Mariners are in first place in August all by themselves. So fun. This after a glorious weekend sweep of the Royals who were uh, not quite as feisty outside their own building. It was Luis Castillo in all his glory yesterday. Went seven strong, just allowing one hit and no runs. He was dominant. The thing with Luis that just stands out, it's so different than really any starting pitcher I've been around. He is so consistent. Um, you know, he doesn't let his emotions ever get the best of him. You never see frustration on his face or his body language. And you never see the extreme highs, you know, like you'll see some from some guys. So, you know, super talented, of course, but he can dial it up. You know, the, the, the guys, like the great ones, can kind of turn the dial up. And that's what we see here. Yeah, he has just been ridiculous recently. And then the offense did just enough. They knocked out seven home runs the night before. They score, uh, well, three yesterday on two home runs, Teo and Julio. And that was all they needed before Oakland comes in town now for three games starting tonight. You know what I tend to do, Salk? And I don't know if you or Mora or Justin do this. Maybe it's because I'm the son of a coach. I tend on every one of these post-game notes that the Mariners and their PR folks send to us, I tend to read the quotes of the opposing manager. I'm kind of very intrigued and interested, and sometimes they're pretty short and sweet, and sometimes they're a bit, I don't know, informative. And uh, the the skip for the Royals was asked about Luis, what made him so difficult. He said, what? What made him so difficult? Uh, The same thing that he does all the time. He throws really hard. 
throws a two-seamer, he throws a four-seamer, he elevates, and then now there comes the plus slider. Good luck. <laughs> Don't forget the changeup because he throws that one too. He was uh, he was very, very good. Logan was very good this weekend. The Bats did all they needed to. And yes, the Mariners are in first place with a lousy Oakland team showing up here for three more. Brian Wu will be on the na- mound tonight against uh, TBA so far for the A's. Here's the second thing you need to know. Well, for all of the excitement of the Mariners weekend, I got to tell you, Brock, it was not the most exciting football game of all time. Here's the highlight. In the backfield now is Thompson for the Seahawks as the single setback. Lock under center, play fake. Looks, has time. Going to let it fly. Back corner of the end zone. There to make the catch. Touchdown, Seahawks. Jake Bobo. Somebody in our meeting yesterday said, give me more Bobo. You got it. From 18 yards out, Bobo, Dave, you said he doesn't have a lot of speed, but he's got speed to get away from the secondary, and he makes a great catch on a perfect pass from Drew Locke in the back of the end zone. How about that? Another touchdown for Jake Bobo. Brock, they gave an undrafted rookie the podium after the game. Really cool. Um, been really cool for me. Been really, really cool for my family and friends to kind of just see some of that. Um, so I'm, I'm very grateful. I'm honored um, to uh, have some of the, the 12 jump on the uh, the Bobo bandwagon a little bit. Um, so that's been really cool to see. Um, and like I said, I'm I'm honored that you know folks think uh, yeah I'm worthy of, of their praise. You ever see an undrafted rookie at the podium in preseason? And go third person? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I he didn't. First. I wouldn't call that third person. The Bobo train. No, the, the Bobo, Bobo bandwagon? The Bobo wagon? No, I wouldn't call that third person. No, I'm sorry. I'm going to I'm gonna eject. Uh, pretty awesome. That was a terrific throw from Drew as well. A deep kind of crossing route where he had some action, some kind of mesh action where he tried to, to create separation. And, and once once again, man, that's the advantage of 6-4. Was he three yards behind that DB? No. Will he be three yards behind any NFL DB? No. But does he have a catching radius and a frame? He had a catch earlier as well where there's a guy just right in his hip pocket on the throw to the boundary. And it shows you the, the confidence that Gino and Drew will have. Like, I can put it up to this guy, and I'm going to trust, even if he's covered. And he's going to be covered largely in this league, <laughs> that he's not covered because he knows how to use his body. He knows how to use his hands. He knows how to use his frame. And he knows how to make plays, which he's done in every single one of these games to make this team, too. Well, uh, the defense was not great again. Mike Jackson had another really kind of tough game at corner. Devin Bush goes down with a concussion. Derek Hall hurt his shoulder, so wait and see on some details for them this week. Just two weeks now before they take on the Rams in the opener. Here's the third thing you need to know. Between now and then, we'll see uh, the roster start to take shape. Cuts come tomorrow afternoon. A few teams have gotten a head start, including the Seahawks, who cut seven players yesterday, although none who were likely to make the team at any point. Uh, Also, some questioning the future of running back DJ Dallas. He tweeted yesterday, such is life. Don't know if that was a hint that he may be moving on. We'll see. Pete Carroll, pretty excited, though, about the group he's got. Yeah, I would love this group to be together. We're going to try to do that, and if we can, we'll see how it goes. You know, we'll have some challenges about that, but um, right now there's a bunch of guys that know how they fit on, on this team and what, you know, their role and all that kind of stuff. I like to keep it as solid as we can. It's probably not possible to get it all, but I want those guys to know that we want them on a, in our locker room. We're going to dig into some of the details of Brady Henderson at 830, but they got a lot of weird decisions to make. They do. Which is, you know, you've talked about this before, some of just the roster construction, and Greg Bell from the News Tribune was, was kind of hinting at, uh, at Devin Bush. 
wondering why he's playing into the fourth quarter on yeah. special teams in the third preseason game when <laughs> most of the starters are in sweats. I think that's a fair question, but he's owed and due $2.9 million guaranteed dollars. That's, that's a lot of money to swallow absorb with the concussion. Does that complicate matters as well? So, yeah, this is uh, Trent Kirshner and John Schneider and Pete Carroll. This is busy, busy hours, as it was the whole flight home from Green Bay, as it was all day yesterday, as they try to figure out not only on their team, Salk, but this is where your whole pro personnel staff comes into play because those guys have watched your tape. They know your guys, but that department needs to know the 31 other teams and needs to know where the, I don't know, where the Canzone is, where the Rojas is, where there is a guy that can come in here, be in the right environment and contribute as those two Mariners certainly have over the last month. All right, that's everything you need to know. Quarter past every hour here in the Brock and Salk Show. What was your reaction to the Trey Lance deal? I was uh, out on the golf course Friday when it came down, and we were all shocked that they had gotten a fourth-round pick for him. What are you doing, Jerry? And as it turns out, Jerry Jones didn't even ask. He didn't ask Steven. He didn't ask McCarthy. He, he I, I don't know. Could, have, could he have had some pops on a golf course somewhere and, and chatted with the old 49ers and John fourth Lynch? Pick and, seems like a lot. Don't uh, you think? Yes. Was anybody else going to give up a fourth-round pick for I, there him? Was, there was, who was the one other team, Maura? Did you see? There was one other team that was interested. So, obviously, you create a little market. It was, one, it was another team that actually was like, oh, that makes sense. Was it Indy or somebody? So, I don't know. So, that makes sense. I heard the like, Bills and the Ravens might have had conversations. I heard the Vikings did. <laughs> that makes sense. But, you know, if you get enough market, you get three or four teams, and you convince Grant Jerry, Jerry, here it is. <laughs> you want to call them? Call Minnesota. Call Caroline. Call yeah. them all. Call Indy. I, you know, I've got a fifth rounder. Fourth if you round want. pick. Yeah. Trey Lance. Yeah. Yikes. All right. Good stuff. Uh, all right. Let me just uh, sort of let you guys know. We've, we've got so many baseball guests this week. It's kind of kind of stacked up here a little bit. It's pretty fun with uh, the Mariners in first place. It means that uh, Tom Verducci has agreed to join us today at 8 o'clock. Tomorrow we'll talk to the great prognosticator Jeff Passan at uh, 8.30. On Wednesday, Buster only at 7.30. Buster? Yes. And then uh, Scott Service is going to join us at 9.30. Of course, KJ in between there. Jeez. And then... Uh, yeah, Thursday, Jerry DePoto at 8.30. So a huge, huge baseball week for your first-place Mariners. Why are they in first place, Brock? I've got three Ps that answer that question. I'll tell you what they are next. This, this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. You know where the Mariners are, Brock, right now? They lead the West, Michael. They're in first place, in case you're wondering. I don't know if you knew that, but the Mariners are in um, They're in first place. Yes, that's, uh, that's first place. That's where they are, ahead of the Rangers, ahead of the Astros. And uh, winning the West is kind of a big deal, right? I mean, you've now put yourself in position for it, and it is a very different situation than winning the wild card or any of the three wild cards. You win the West this year, you get a first-round bye. You don't have to sit around. You don't have to play in the wild card round. You don't need to worry about winning two out of three. You don't need to worry about your rotation, exactly how everything is set up. You get to do all of that over the course of a few days while whoever you're going to play next is busy trying to win a wild card round. doesn't guarantee you anything, obviously, but it allows you to set yourself up exactly how you want 
leading into that ALDS. And it's a huge, huge advantage, I would think, for for a team like the Mariners, especially with the pitching that they've got and how they want to lay it out for their guys. So winning the West is Mm -hmm. enormously, enormously important for them. Yeah, think about you, you know, playing Toronto and and utilizing George Kirby in moments and all the energy you spent to to win that. And then you got to go play Houston. Mm -hmm. And they're fully rested. And they last year had seven dudes that could, that could, you know, throw a ton of innings for them. And, and yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, this was not really even in consideration, certainly in April, May, and June. This was, gosh, how do we salvage this season? How can we find a way to claw back to, to where you've been at 90 wins? How can you possibly get back in a wild card race? And then all of a sudden, well, that's more than consideration mm-hmm. now. All of a sudden, it's 32 games. You're in the fourth quarter of the season, and you're in the lead. And, you know, the, the schedules, I saw your tweet last night, right? The, you, you face a little over 500 the rest of the way, but basically. No, it's 500 on, on the button. And Texas is just a tick below that and Houston too. But you're going to all play each other. Right? You're going to get Texas six times. Yeah. So it, it, you're going to get every opportunity to be, you know, fighting with them down the home stretch and Houston for that matter as well. So, so why are we here? I, I mentioned this this morning. I jumped over with Dave Ross on our sister station uh, and recorded something before the show today. And he referred to this as a miracle. How did we get to this miracle? I'm like, miracle? What are you talking about? <laughs> no miracle here a good team is now in first place this isn't a miracle i mean i guess if you haven't been paying any attention then it it might appear that way and i don't take a shot at dave this isn't like what he does for a living he's busy you know worried about the real world and news and you know russia or whatever but but this is this is not a miracle russia or whatever yeah is that a play on michael's miracle pergozin or something is that that what we're doing planes going down you know putin oh i thought this was beating the russians in hockey miracle i thought you were playing that oh all right putin (laughs) who i think i don't know is he one of your peas putin yeah that's one of the the three you know why the mariners are in first place One, one of them's Putin, Pergozin, and uh, precociousness. That's why the Mariners are here in the first place. Uh, no, I did. I started thinking a little bit about why they are here, and and I don't think there's any miracle or anything like it. But I, I wrote yesterday. I just uh, was feeling excited after the win and and put pen to paper. You can read it SeattleSports.com. Why are they here? For three reasons, I mean, many reasons, but three that I've identified here that happen to all start with P. And the first one for me is their plan. They have a plan. They had a plan right from the beginning. You might not have liked their plan, but they had a plan. And the first step to succeeding in your plan, to executing on your plan, is having one. And I think that there are more teams in professional sports than you would imagine that don't have even a semblance of a plan. They don't know exactly who they are. They don't know who they want to be. They don't have something that they can use as a North Star to try to get to. And the Mariners do. You may not like draft, develop, and trade. You may get annoyed that there is not one single professional, you know, major league free agent on this team right now. There's not one. Don't hit on Mike Ford like that. He's a minor league free agent. There was not one single major league free agent on this team right now on the roster, on the active roster. Listella was. Well, sure. And so was Robbie Ray and a few other guys. But there's But right now, out of the twenty six contributing, yeah. Not one. There's not one. I mean, like you got a couple of guys who were waiver claims or minor league free agents, et cetera. But there were no major league free agents on this roster. They're in first place. Mm-hmm. I know that there are folks around who think you have to sign major free agents in order to win. That is a way to win. And it's working in other places, and it may work for the Mariners again at some point. 
but it's not a necessity. And if you have a plan of draft, develop, and trade, you better be good at those things. And guess what? They've been really good at all three of those things to contribute to where this team is right now. I would now. contend one thing with what you said right there. And by the way, you're using my like tools. Like you didn't even ask. You know, usually you'll send me a little text or oh. something like these. First of all, the triplets is my deal. That's okay. what I do. Yeah. Secondly, alliteration. Clinton, alliteration is a huge key of mine. I know. So you're kind of taking. Yeah, I know. You're, you're kind of taking and stealing two things. You know mine. I wrote this in a text to somebody yesterday. <laughs> yes. I wrote uh, my three P's and I was like, oh, yeah. I really better just turn that into a column. That's just too good to waste. <laughs> good. Well, I got my three P's, too. So I, by okay. the way. If you're going to come and use my technique, I'm going to throw three at you as well. The only thing I would say is just a a little add-on to your point right there that, you know, you'd be surprised how many teams don't have a plan. They all have a plan until they get hit in in the mouth. And when they face some adversity, that's when their plans dissolve. I I mean, I think you're right about that. But I think that there are a lot of plans that – are, are a lot looser. I mean, the Mariners... Oh, like Jerry Jones making a decision right, to trade exactly. for Trey Lance without communicating like, with anybody else? Yeah, it's yeah. sort of loosey-goosey. Yeah. You're constantly making changes. You don't stick to a plan. And the Mariners have absolutely done that with, you know, as you like to say, DDT, the draft of it, you know, draft developed Jake a trade. Also what they've done with, you know, controlling the zone for all of the conversations we had early this year. Is this the right decision? Is that the right way to build a philosophy? Well, yes. They still believe it is. They stuck to it, and it's absolutely paying dividends for them as they just get on base constantly. I mean, like, they just are always having – honestly, they could be scoring 20 runs a game in this stretch if they just delivered with men on base just a couple more times. I mean, they have had so many opportunities. That's number one. Plan. Patience. It's a frustrating one, man. I know it is, and it was really making people mad earlier this year that they were sticking with their guys, but they did. They stuck with Teo, and it is 100% paying dividends. They stuck over the last couple of years with J.P. Crawford at shortstop, with Jared Kelnick in left field. Mm-hmm. They stuck with them. They stuck with this team at the at the deadline. Yeah, they traded Paul Seawald, but they didn't trade him for prospects. They didn't wave the white flag. They traded him for guys that were on the major league roster and can help them right now. They They were patient on Wong, and they were patient on Pollock. Was that the right move? It didn't work out for either of those guys, but if you're going to preach patience, you have to try it in most situations, and the fact that it didn't work with those guys, to me, allowed it to work with Teo, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Like it? Okay. So, patience, it. pretty yep. darn important. Buying it. Both buying at the patience. plate and in terms of the front office. And then the last one for me is pivoting. Recognizing when something simply isn't working and saying, okay, we need to pivot. And you look at some of the contributions that they've gotten from Rojas and Canzone and Dylan Moore and Mike Ford and Jose Caballero. I mean, just that group of five, that's over six wins this year. Uh, Sorry, you got to add Marlowe to that list as well. You get over, that's over six war from guys that were not on your roster to start the year. Brock, how many times did you ask Jerry DePoto about the DH situation? A bunch. Three, four times? Well, that DH situation's been pretty well taken care of in two ways. One, Mike Ford came in and has over an 800 OPS, 13 home runs since joining the team, and you don't need to use Mike Ford because you now have enough outfielders that in a perfect situation, Teoscar Hernandez is playing DH, which is exactly what he did yep. yesterday when he hit a home run, yep. had another big hit, and watched as Canzone and Marlowe both made spectacular plays in the outfield. Yep. So they absolutely pivoted when they needed to pivot. Mm. It doesn't mean that, like, you know, you got to be patient. 
and you've got to know when to run out of patience. And I think they did a really good job of that. Scott Service says that some of that is very similar inside the clubhouse. Um, I think, you know, there's a there's a group of leaders in there that make sure that doesn't happen. And I think that's part of leading any group, whether it's, it's a manager, the coaching staff, you do need to be consistent. And I think we've always done that here. You know, we don't get too caught up in what the, the people outside our clubhouse are saying. And I think when you get caught up trying to please everybody out there, it never works. As long as we come to, to, to work every day and focus on getting better and what we need to do as a group, good things will happen. Our guys believe in that, and it's paying off. Um, it's, it's happening. Again, I'm super excited about where we're at and what's ahead of us um, because uh, we got a lot of big games ahead of us, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And I hope our fans are. Um, I certainly felt it tonight. Our players felt it. The minute that game started, it was a different vibe in here. And uh, we need that the rest of the year. And you could throw Scott Service on the list of people that didn't panic at all this year and instead practiced patience. There's mm-hmm. three more Ps for you. Mm-hmm. Because that's exactly what he did. He didn't panic about this team. He didn't, he didn't do anything outside the norm. He was himself. He was consistent. He was patient and allowed these guys yep. to get back to being who they are. I mean, it's really well done. I mean, that, that is a, that's a terrific three-piece. That is wonderful alliteration. That's excellent thought. Um, thank you for kind of building on, you know, my philosophy and uh, taking it to the next level. So that's really well done. Well, you know, Brock, we've worked together for so uh-huh. long. It's really hard to know where, you know, one of us ends and the other begins. Okay. Uh, but you guys can read it in a lot more detail. It's at seattlesports.com. Wrote about that yesterday. And just excited about where the team is at, right? Any opportunity to write about them, talk about them, is worth it right now because it just it's a fun team. See, many times you go like Latin on me, yeah. or you drop myth, myth, you know, mythologies, and you do your old literature. Like I can't follow. Like yeah. I'm done. It's too I much for you. you. You just go run with that. But you take something from my playbook. I'm gonna throw three P's right back oh, at you. All right, okay? three different P's. I'm gonna throw three P's because yours are are kind of. Global. All right, let me guess. Let me guess your piece. Hold on, yours are kind of global, big picture, yes. awesome. I, yeah, mine I, I was love about that. sort of the front office yes. and, and how they. got Mine there. is landing the plane now that it's hit the oh. the tarmac. Here, so one right? of them is pitching. One of them is pride. Mm. And June 30th, when they got booed out of their own building, from that day forward, not Jared Kilnick, not this trade, not all of these other things. From that day forward, things have turned. Yep. And when you get booed and you get humiliated, and for a group that plays for those fans, like this opening segment with Julio and that connection, and when that connection is severed and they're booing you and Larry Stone is writing columns that this is the most least likable Mariners team in history. Ooh, that one is not held up. By well, the guess what? Guess what? Those players felt some of that. And, I, you know, I think emotionally they want to connect. You just heard Scott say there, like these fans, man, we have a connection to them. We play to them. We don't, you know, we don't care what we're going to admit to that. We love that. We love the fans and playing to them and for them. So I'm going to say pride on June 30th was, okay. you know, is, is just a, a very human element. I would totally agree with your patience. I'm going to just say persistence that the trade deadline that the Jerry and crew believed in tail and believed in these guys and weren't going to give them away. Could have. I'm sure there were places they could have given him away like they did mm-hmm. A.J. Pollock, but they didn't. You know, Ty France and, and um, A. Eugenio and Teo, all guys having really down years at that point. And they were persistent and continued to give them opportunities. I said it at the time to you, like, man, this, this could be very beneficial. That when you're a player that's struggling, and I'll raise my hand, and you have a coach that believes in you and an organization that believes in you and runs you out there and, and believes you're going to turn it, that's a powerful tool. That's not even my third piece. So pride, persistence, and then lastly is power. Power arms, power bats. They've come alive as the heat has come on. But, you you know, that, that 
reference from that skipper, like, yeah, why was Luis filthy? Because when you're when you're throwing with that kind of power in August, when these bodies are shot all around the league, when you're hitting with that kind of power that now we're seeing guys trending towards 30 home runs, Julio 30 home runs, Teo 30 well, home runs, they have a lot runs, left Cal. in the tank, Brock. They didn't hit any of them in the first half of no, the year. No, they did So they certainly have a lot of energy left over to hit them now and in the second George half. And when George is throwing upper 90s and Logan's throwing upper 90s and Luis is throwing upper 90s and Bryce Miller's throwing upper 90s, guess what? You don't get a break. And that power is coming at you. So pride, see, persistence, and power. See Justin Topa hit 98 yesterday, by the way. I mean, just like everybody. And like 98 used to be like, oh, my God. Justin like Topa when Felix threw even, 97, 98. Right, yeah. didn't even seem like a hard thrower. And he's out there throwing 98 in the eighth inning yesterday. It is amazing. Those are good P's as well, Brock. Six P's, why the Mariners are where they are. I'll tell you what. You can throw whatever letters you want. Keep playing like this. And this is... Uh, this is going to end really well if you can. Uh, this is this really up. fun. This is really fun, Pete. What a great transition to Blue 88. This is Brock and Salk's Blue 88. Blue 88! Blue 88! We take you to the field as Brock Ewer breaks down three football questions as only he can. Now here's your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. All right, there's only so much, Brock, I can talk about the actual game on Saturday, but who played well? Jarek Reed played his best game as a Seahawk by far. And he was, I don't know, maybe looking at what Kobe Bryant did ahead of him and has done these last two and a half games. And Maybe he and, was listening to some of the things Pete said about him. Possibly. And, and maybe it was, oh my gosh, I may not make this team. Like I, I you know, thought I was a draft pick, and certainly in the offseason, the Coach saying nice things about me and, and was out there scrapping and feeling pretty good. And then the pads have come on and, and it's been really quiet. And again, these are second and third stringers for Green Bay largely, but he's in there. And he, when you rack up a pro football focus grade above 90, again, I'm always a little leery of what do these grades mean. But in context, right, and, and looking around with your peers and knowing what that kind of grade is, that's legit. He did it in coverage, came up and tackled phenomenally. He was aggressive. He was probably what we thought Kobe Bryant was going to be and has been. Like, put him in at safety. Let him come downhill and hit people. Let him be the agitator and the aggressor. Kobe has taken so much of that opportunity. But when given a little bit more at the table, yeah, Jarek Reed played his best game. Enough to make the active roster? We'll see. I think he's one of those guys that's on the fringe as a late-round pick and with the depth and versatility in their secondary – We'll see. But he pro- he certainly played his very best when he needed to. All right, question number two. I got to tell you, man, still wasn't in love with what I saw defensively, Brock. Is it fixable? And there weren't a lot of starters in there. So mm-hmm. will that change when we see the actual defense in two weeks? I realize that the uh, the picture, the screen grab that I sent to you and Maura and Justin is not translatable to radio. Uh, you can't just flash that up there. But I sent you a picture. Via email last night. That was the first run play of the game. As you look at that, what stands out? Does something something should jump out to you? I didn't 14, see the picture. 14 years together, Saul. I didn't see the picture. What? Yeah, yeah it's like a broken image. We're trying to look at it. Oh, here. you sent a picture? I sent a picture. It well, didn't come through. I didn't see that. What is wrong with my pictures? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't Twitter? see the picture. On email? What is wrong? I got an I mean, iPhone I 13. You, I think you absolutely nailed it with your song for 9 o'clock. Like, I'm jealous of the song you came up with. All right. But I didn't Thanks. see any pictures. Well, I shoot. I'm sorry. I sent you a picture off of my iPad. Yeah. And it was from some of the some of the game copy. And what you'll see on that very first run, A.J. Dillon has, like, after the fall start, it's got, like, a 13-yard run. 
and you see three down linemen and two linebackers totally turned. You know what you should not see on tape? Your last name. <laughs> At least from the side view. You want to see your last name on the end zone copy because you're square. That, that, you know, you're square to the runner. You're square to the line of scrimmage. You're stout. You're, uh, you know, you're, you're changing the line of scrimmage. Number one, you're blown off. Number two, you're totally turned, and they are just wiping you off the board. And that 1-0 line, now granted, it was the 1-0 line minus Bakhtiri for Green Bay. It was your second and thirds. But, yeah, too often just moved at the point of attack. I thought the guys came in and filled pretty well. I, I think uh, – Kobe trying to tackle A.J. Dillon and space is, is not fun for anybody. But, yeah, that front seven, man, that will be where my eyes will be in 13 days against the Rams. How square does Dre Jones and Jaron Reed and those guys, or are they washed off the ball, washed into the second level? Uh, yeah, it can be a big test 13 days from now from a Rams team that you know and Sean McVay will want to run it first at you. All right, question number three. What's going on with Daryl Taylor? We still haven't really seen him in a while. We haven't even really heard all that much about him. And when Pete was asked about him, it was uh, kind of confusing what his answer was. Um, he's doing well. I mean, if he feels, you know, he's getting better every day. He's feeling stronger and feeling more confident. Um, I, we don't think it's going to take very long. That was 22 days ago. Okay, so Mora cut that. That was August 6th. 22 days ago. And typically when you hear Pete say that, what happens? Those guys are going through walkthrough in a couple days. They're back out on the field. Yeah. Like when he's talked about K-9 and different people, even Jordan Brooks. So that was August 22nd. Yeah, let me, now, let play, me play you the more Thursday. recent one. Can't hear it. Oh, you did? Oh, here it is. Sorry, I thought you were playing it. How close is Daryl Taylor to, to getting back with you guys at this point? Um, I, I don't, I don't know how to tell you that. Answer that one. He's, he's, he feels really good. He's made a big jump in the last few days. Um, so, I would think he, he's got a chance to start really doing some stuff next week. That's what mm. we're kind of counting on. We're, we're hoping he can get there. Mm. Give me the start of that again. I don't know how to give you an answer for that one. I don't think a whole lot of places. Yeah. <laughs> Doing great with the sound today. How close is Daryl Taylor to, to getting back with you guys at this point? Um, I, I don't. I don't know how to tell you that. Answer that one. He's, he's, I don't know how to tell you that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Is that a good, good sign? No, that's not a great sign. That's not a first-year player, or second-year player, or third-year player. They've been around this block with Daryl. I think that speaks to the very level of inconsistency. Unfortunately, we've seen from him inconsistency at times on the field where he flashes being one of the best playmakers. Who was it that said when you asked that ceiling question, was it KJ? KJ. It was KJ. Yeah. So the, uh, the ceiling for Boye, the ceiling for Uchenna, the ceiling for Derek Hall, the ceiling for Daryl, who's got the highest? Daryl. And he flashes that, and he looks that part. But then who's got the lowest floor? <laughs> Daryl. Because there's just inconsistencies. You're like, come on, man. Let's go. Now, there, there's certain guys, Salk, and, and I don't know this for sure. So this is my speculation. But there are certain guys that you get around and they're like, I'm not playing until I feel good, you know, in, in this competition and everything else. Like, I got to be firing on all cylinders to get out there and go. And there's other guys who are like, hey, man, I'll fire on four cylinders. I don't care. I just need to be on the field and compete. And it strikes me as just four years of experience with Daryl that I think he's got to feel right to play right. I got I to feel right. Everything's got to be in a good spot for me to go out there and play to my ceiling. 
And if I'm not, then I'm going to wait till I'm all the way that. there. That's kind of how I am. I need everything really to be just right in order for me to play to my ceiling. That is today's Blue 88 every morning, 745. And we'll talk some more about the cuts uh, that are coming with Brady Henderson, who will join us at 830 for sort of an extended conversation there. Most of the day today, of course, talking about these first place Mariners. It's so interesting seeing some of the, the texts coming in over the course of the day. Most of them just people super stoked that the Mariners are in first place. Uh, one says Salt's gloating is obnoxious. Have I been glo- I really don't no. think I've been gloating. No, no. You know so what? far this hour, the no. gloating has been very obnoxious. But I've been pleasantly surprised that you have not today. So I'm not I gloating. Will give you that. I'm not uh-uh. gloating. Not at all. I'm not uh-uh. gloating at all. So I'm sorry if you feel that way. I'm not gloating. I might get mad at this person who uh, texts in to say the 206 pulling Castillo was dumb with all capitals. Oh. He was in a zone and only at 95 pitches. You know, I appreciate that 206. Uh-huh. Appreciate that you're paying attention. Appreciate that you're uh, you know passionate. I think that, um, well, you're wrong, and and mostly, and you heard Scott say it, if it was later in the season, they would have kept playing him. They would have kept him in. Mm-hmm. Cal wanted to keep him in. Castillo was willing to keep pitching, and Scott said, nope, we want you as fresh as possible later in the year. We should be able to take care of two innings against the Royals in order to win this game, and he was right. They did. So 32 games, that means four more starts for Luis? Sounds right. Is that about right? Mm, I mean, depending no. on the timing, five different starters, you roll 32 games. There should be six you, more starts. Uh, that's what I mean. Six more. Yes. Six more starts. Yes. Math. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So six more starts. Six, maybe seven. If he had two more starts to go, he's throwing the eighth. Right. But and you need it. And you're up again. Six game. or seven starts to go. You don't yeah. need him to do uh-uh. that. And you get an opportunity to save a little of the wear and tear in his arm. Scott was pretty clear that that's why it happened. He knows that there's more in the tank when he needs it. So, yep. gosh, you would think Scott would deserve like a little benefit of the doubt. But no, not from not from 206 They're today. They're trying to bring their own peas. Passionate, like you said. Yes. Uh, 509, thank goodness DePoto didn't listen to the noise mm-hmm. that Mariners fans made about not spending enough money. Most teams that did are crippling themselves. I don't know if they were all crippling themselves, but some of them are. I mean, the Rangers have spent a lot of money on older players, and older players get hurt. And that's what they're doing right now. I mean, like, I, I, appreciate, I appreciate the desire, and I appreciate that everybody And there could be a time, by the way. And by the way, there could be a time yes. where they pull the trigger and, and make that move. And by the way, first and foremost, it's going to be for their own. Mm-hmm. And they keep doing this, and they keep playing this way. You're going to have to find a way to pay Cal and to pay Logan. Two divided by five equals yeah, eight. Yeah, I did seven. For some reason, four? I did seven. I, What's I, going I, on there? I, I went by seven. That I went thirty-two odd. divided by seven. I mean, five is usually like the easiest thing to divide Bro, by. Too. I'm actually good at math. <laughs> doesn't, I'm going to tell you, it doesn't seem that way today. But that was embarrassing. <laughs> Bring on Verducci. All Let's right, go. The Mariners are in first place, which gives us access to some of the bigger names around the baseball community. Tom Verducci is high on that list, and he will join us next. Brock and Salk, Sales Sports on 710.